Hello, everybody. Welcome to Success Defined. I'm Ben McDonald, and today we have two great guests here in Savannah, Georgia. The oh, first right. is Rule yeah. Joiner. Cool. Rule is the founder and CEO oh, okay. of 24E Design, and they create right. furnishings and interiors, along with a lot more that we'll get into here in a little bit. And we have Michael Owens, who is the CEO of the Tourism Leadership Council and the chair of the Georgia Travel Organization, along with a plethora of plethora of other things that same thing we're going to dive into a little bit so thanks for joining us guys thanks so i want to start with the actual location where we are here today so we're on 24 east Broughton, which is where your business is located let's talk about the importance of, of this location first well you know it's a um i think it's a, a narrative that we all know it's uh, it's small business it's family business it's on main street and uh, it, it it is a lot that you know that we're very proud of our heritage of our city of our community and uh this is our flagship in a uh, in a way that our business is is transforming along with the times you know we uh we design we build some we import a lot of our own designs uh things that are unique to us and we are building revenue channels through this flagship store and also through uh um Furniture markets to where we're not only selling to the end user, to furniture stores, to other designers, uh, hospitality projects. We're building a brand. That is the vision. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic, Michael. I want to jump over to you for a little bit. So, Savannah, we were talking a little bit earlier. Savannah has about one hundred forty thousand uh, residents, right? But the traffic that comes through Savannah is obviously dramatically more. Uh, in sure. just, you said there's what about fourteen million? Then? Fourteen million visitors here annually, not tourists, visitors. So that's anybody who doesn't live here that's coming or hopefully spending a little bit of money while they're here. Yeah, that makes sense. People like myself come down, family is in the area, so I come down and I do business in the area and I was excited for that. So you get people that come through all the time. How has that changed and evolved your business here at 2040? Well, traditionally, uh, we were a business that was pretty much just locals only back when my father started this business, this corridor that we were in, it was probably about 80% unoccupied. You could literally shoot a cannon down the street and probably not hit anyone. Um, you know, there was a lot of vacancies. Uh, there was um, a, a, a lot of things that needed to be done. Over the years, that's transformed, especially with the, uh, you know, with the success of the Savannah College of Art and Design, the success of, of uh, our forefathers before us that, that realized you know, that we need to preserve the architectural spirit of this place, the design that Oglethorpe had put together. And because of that, you know, Savannah's special. It's a, um, it's a small town that, uh, that has a lot of uh, big town amenities, but the beauty of European cities, it's walkable, and it is something unique that's within you know, our country that's really striking a tone. And, uh, it's, it's Savannah sexy now, uh, being talked about through all the different um, uh, travel organizations to articles, periodicals, and uh, and it's it's a good time to be here. Yeah. You know, it sort of underscores how recent all of this is. You mentioned that when your dad came here and started the store, it was 80, Broad Street was about 80, 80% vacant. Um, when the Marshall House, which is across the street from this location, was purchased um, in 99, Broad Street was 80% vacant. So that was 1999, that was yesterday for, for a lot of us. And so a lot of this economic activity that you see, us being a regional hub for, for commerce now on the coast, um, really is new by any stretch of, of, of measure. 
Right. Yeah, absolutely. And how has that evolved on such a, a, a quick rate, right? Like you said, just yesterday, uh, compared to 14 million visitors, that's a large number that you guys as a city are handling on a, on a constant basis. You're serving them and you've been able to, right? If people flooded in here and the city wasn't ready for it or didn't give them a good experience. Well, you know what? I, I think it's, it's a lot like entrepreneurship. You know, you can plan for it, but every that, that's right. a, that doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen. So we've had a lot of uh, of luxury issues or luxury problems, but um, it's uh, it's been an evolving thing, and through our community and leadership, uh, we've been we've been working through it. And Savannah's just uh, the, but it's the the really cool thing about it is I don't think the guiding principles have changed. You know, it's uh, it, it's to preserve the architecture, you know, to preserve the livability. And, and we are, we're a big experiment here. There's 14 million people. And I think part of that is the, um, and you keyed on it a little bit, is, is continuity of, of vision. Um, and, and think of about sort of those rising tides that have floated the boats of Savannah. SCAD is a substantial factor there. Um, tourism as an industry is a substantial factor there. The Georgia Port Authority is a substantial We look at all of these substantial factors. Um, and we've, we've had continuity of leadership there for a long, long time. Um, uh, the people who built the tourism industry to what we appreciate today are still here and they're still in positions of leadership. Um, President Paula Wallace over at SCAD um, uh, now celebrating their 40th year. It's, it's her same vision. It's the same. It's evolved over time, certainly. But her core values of, of what she wanted to bring to this town and what the town would bring to the college, um, that's, that's maintained. Uh, this is one lady and her family you know, work to make this tiny school, Savannah College of Art and Design, to a, a world brand. I mean, right. you know, President Wallace is like Oprah now, you know, with her, her vision. And, uh, and you can walk outside on the Broughton Street and hear five different languages. That's right. right. And uh, yeah, and, you know, there's, there's people from all over the world that are coming here, sending their kids here, um, investing in Savannah. I mean, she, they've got campuses in Lacoste, they've got campuses in Hong Kong, Atlanta, and it all started right here. Well, and, and something that's really, here's a little bit of that Savannah tribute. There are two statues on, on City Hall. Um, City Hall with the Gold Dome, it's iconic for Savannah. Beautiful building. Uh, uh, there are two statues. And do you remember what the statues are called? Yeah. Commerce and Art. Right? Yeah. It's, it's these two things. And that's that's part of, the, I think, sort of the secret sauce of what what makes Savannah tick. There's a, there's a great appreciation for both. And we know that they go hand in hand. Um, and, and it's a it's a symbiosis. You can't have success in one without the other, or you can't have enjoyment in life without both. Right. And it's it seems like it's from what you guys are both saying. It's been the foundation for the city for what your values and vision are, and you've been able to maintain that focus on what's been most important. That's right for it for you guys as individuals, but also for the city as a whole. Well, it, you know, <clears throat> going back to like what Michael saying with those two things even within the city from a lot of folks that live in our community um, you know it was just a few uh, little ladies that started the historic Savannah Foundation they knew that they did not want to push over all these buildings so they said hey stop you know and then a lot of the people in the business community as well said you know what they're right you need to stop this because this is what makes this place beautiful it's what makes it special you got to strike that balance and um, and so through that evolution and through these you know partners, you have something here that's just really different, really special. That's right. So let's talk on on the commerce side of those two a little bit right now. Um, 
on your entrepreneurship journey, how how did you first get that entrepreneur bug? How did you start? Oh, that's easy. My dad, yeah, yeah no doubt. Um, he was uh, he was a military man, but he always loved numbers. He loved uh, he loved the hustle, and um, so he was uh, he was always somebody that I looked up to, and still today, and, uh, you, you can't run from it when you when you grow up around that. You're you're in it whether you like it or not. It's definitely in your blood. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. in your blood. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's that like? So I. We were talking earlier, I was in a similar spot, right? You grow up with a father that, that runs a business. What's that like growing up in that environment? How does that shape you for the future? Well, um, you know, uh, it, it, to me at least, it was it was more rich than any school I could have attended. Um, you know, he was always there for the failures, always there for the successes. Um, but, you know, to say business was in our blood was, a, was an understatement. My dad worked relentlessly, um, probably more than I would like. And, uh, and, you know, you, you try to, you, you try to change a little bit of that, but you know, it's, it's still, it's a grind, but my kids, they come in here. In fact, they were in here yesterday. They love to come in here. I got, um, my, my eight year old, uh, she'll, she'll set up like her little art and try, you know, start selling <laughs> art in there and which is just so adorable, but you know, you already see the wheels turning. You already see that they get it. And, you know, I, she's even now started her own little, um, YouTube channel where you know she's talking about these different toys or whatever she's reviewing and then you know she talks about hey I got merch coming out soon merch this is from an eight-year-old and uh, so you know the the way that the the tectonic plates about how we're all uh, the way we consume things the way that we're, we're learning about things is shifting it's changing and so when an eight or nine-year-old uh, child can go onto YouTube or to a, uh, a social media platform and talk about the things that, you know, they're interested in and then also talk, you know, sell merch. That's a different day. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and then much on your side, you have leadership capacities throughout the city, right? Like I mentioned a couple of them at the beginning, um, with leadership comes time commitment, comes responsibility, things like that. What gave you that desire to go after being in a leadership position, uh, well, it sort of happened to me. Um, um, I don't. I, I, I believe that there is such a thing as reluctantly reluctant leadership. Okay. Those that um, um, aspire to do better um, uh, or better for others, or help, or be a part of that process for improvement, whether it be community wide or in, in, in smaller circles. Um, somebody good at it respects the the, the responsibility of that. Um, I, I'm, I always look for those people who aren't. Interested in being in the limelight that are that are pulled into, okay. um, and I think that's a it's shows a virtue. Um, the for our industry, which every bit of success I have came from tourism and hospitality, um, it touches in our community um, one in seven citizens' lives. One in seven is employed in in my industry. Um, that's that's the largest segment. We're the largest employer in this community. Um, there's very little that could go on that wouldn't touch our community in some way, the tourism community in some way, whether positively or negatively. And if there's a negative influence on our industry, uh, we're talking serious employment issues. It's, it's, a, it's, it's the one of the, the lifebloods of, of this economy. So in the role of, of, of working for the industry itself and for those stakeholders in the industry, um, I'm given a lot of, of latitude to go get involved in things that we think we can make a positive impact on it. Uh, now, that sometimes that means for something, sometimes it means it's against something. Um, okay. 
Uh, it, it depends on the particular situation, but we'll talk about sort of the building blocks, the plan, the overport plan. Yeah. Um, it, we're America's first plan city, right? I mean, including a municipal plan. This is where things will work in squares. The, the grid system that we use was, was not done accidentally, it was on purpose. Those are the building blocks for for success that we're, we're appreciating today. We're always cognizant of it and we're looking for those building blocks and how do we add to it. Um, those building blocks, the building blocks of, of the, the community here, I mean the individual players, has built a very, very strong industry. There's a saying in my industry that if you, if you build a city for tourists, no one will want to come. But if you build a city for residents who will have high quality of life and, and a great amount of enjoyment, visitors will come. Well, and I think that's, that's, that's part of our vision here. I think that's right at the start why you differentiated. Uh, I think I used the word tourist, and you corrected me and said visitors. Yeah, yeah. That, that, you know that, that's one of the, the things that I really, really respect about Michael. And he, he, you know, he just he brought it up a second ago about the latitude that he's given. Um, you know, with his organization and the causes that he puts, you know, or or, or, or guides or works with or whatever. You know, the title of you know, the Tourism Leadership Council is misleading in a way that he is, you know, building these things on stuff that works for the entire community. You know, he and I think that his organization and with the vision and, and the way that, you know, he works with it as well, he understands what's good for the community is also good for the visitors. And there is that balance that he strikes and with the organization as well, it's about, you know, quality of life, and, um, and you know, I mean, he's the he's the chairman of the uh, of the police memorial uh, um, organization, and and you know, the, the, there's all these things that are outside of what you would traditionally think is the tourism leadership council, yeah. and that's that's the type of leadership that we've got around here. Say, that's a sign of great leadership. Yeah, right? yeah. absolutely. I work off of a couple of, of easy premises. Not everything good for tourism is good for the community. Um, conversely, everything good for a community is good for tourism. Every bit of it. Quality of life, reduced traffic. I mean, you name the, the little issues that, that any thriving community has to deal with. If you can improve upon those things, you'll improve everything else. It's, it's those, those, yeah. those basics. Yeah. Well, and you come to the city too, and uh, like my first time coming down, for example, the, the city is clean. There's always things going on. There's just stuff that the people living here are going to want and need, right? You're not going to want a dirty city. You're not going to want things all over the place. And Visitors are going to be able to benefit the same way that the the people, the natives of this city, are are experiencing every single day. That's right. So let's pivot to to twenty four E for a little bit because we're talking lifeblood of of the city, the commerce and the art. So um, talk about the evolution of, of you starting this this business and and being able to really grow it into an international organization. Well, you know, first, I, you know, I want to start off by saying that I am, I'm standing on the shoulders of my father and my mother and my grandmother. And, uh, you know, I, I would not even be here in that capacity without them. But, you know, once again, when my father fell, fell ill, came home and he was like, hey, this is what I need you to do. Mm -hmm. um, so th th there's a strong sense of pride with that and having grown up here. And, you know, every day that I'm here, we're representation of our, of our family. And to be quite honest with you, we could have done this probably a little easier in Miami or Atlanta or some other places, but that's not home. Sure. And uh, and quite frankly, that's what makes Savannah, you know, what it is. We have this 
this history of maritime, we have this history of, of, of the architecture, you have all this great history that's here. And, you know, the evolution of what this business was and was it was what it is now before my father was doing rent you know, and, uh, and, and that's what was, was down here at the core of the city. And as that changed, and when I took over, I told him, I was like, you know, Dad, look, I'll, I'll be glad to, to do this, but not in that way. I've always been into architecture, been into design, brand. I, I enjoy those things. Um, so, you know, we, uh, we, we took the, and, and in fact, he was humbled by a sickness, which was going on. So he was like, whatever, you can do whatever you want, just take care of your mom. And, um, and, but, you know, at the same time, too, he had that faith in me. And uh, that, that trust and that faith is, uh, is the building block of, of what is here. And, you know, when, when I first told him the name and what we were, you know, how I was changing the name to 24E, he's like, what is that? It's like, it's the address. He goes, oh, I know it's the address. How's that the name? And, you know, and it was, uh, and there was a little pushback with that. And then when we started, uh, doing what we were doing and my father was, you know, he thought it would, really thought it would never work. And, uh, and I think sort of the turning point with, with him was when we got signed up with uh, Inc. 500 and started going around doing their conferences. And, um, you know, we were, we were sort of, it was funny because uh, Inc. started calling us the fine furniture purveyors of the Fast 500. And, uh, you know, and, and I think it was really there that it clicked with him. He's like, God, well, they're, you know, they're loading up stuff and going to Chicago, going to, you know, yeah. it, 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 he must be doing something right. And it, and it was working. And um, so uh, that was the evolution of that. And there's been another evolution. You know, um, we're a single family, a small business. And I was, I was noticing too, like what we were doing in the age of the internet, a lot of the, the stuff that we were cataloging, people would come and they would sit on it here and then go and buy it online or wherever they were from in order to, you know, not have to have it shipped from here or they weren't able or they wouldn't want to at the time. And then not only that, we've really gotten to a lot of custom stuff with uh, interior design and you know, found some certain things that weren't in the marketplace and it sort of scratched a creative itch for me as well because, you know, at the end of the day, we, we love to create. Right. And, uh, and the money- It's always fresh. Yeah, yeah well- It's always fresh. Thank you. Um, and, and, you know, the, the money is a byproduct, um, but I knew that we had to, if, if we were going to do what we wanted to do and um, we had to be differentiated in a way that when you had 14 million visitors that came into Savannah, that if they sat on something, they were gonna either have to buy it from me or somebody that was buying it from me. Got it. And so that sort of started the, uh, a lot of the, the custom, we, you know, at one point we were building these swings out of like my, my uh, garage. I had a Saturday that we sold nine, nine of them. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, we ended up going uh, over to India and China and, um, found a, a place in India. We started buying 200 of them at a time. And then, uh, you know, of course, buying 200 of them at a time, you then have to find the revenue channels in order to get them moved. And so, you know, we really built a value proposition in with that and started scaling the, um, the quantities. And, uh, that's sort of where we're at, you know, and, and still, uh, still muscling through that. And there's been nothing pretty about it. I mean, it is messy. It is scary but it's what entrepreneurs do every day. 
You know, we uh, we don't live in, um, in in a world that can allow us to just sit back and do nothing because, you know, in this age, things are fast moving and you got to be first to market or you got to have a great uh, value proposition or whatever it is. But one thing, you know, that as an entrepreneur, you don't want to do is wait. Anyone that waits, you're going to continue to wait. And so that's uh, that's been the evolution. But with that, you know, we're a small family furniture business on Main Street that ships 75 to 80 percent of what we sell all over with clients from Miley Cyrus to David Copperfield to your neighbor. And we have to provide a value proposition to them and a reason for them to want to come back to Savannah and buy the stuff or go right. online and buy the stuff. So um, we prefer they do it in person. Yeah, but <laughs> but any way around, you know, it was it was being able to take that leap and figure out that scale and figure out something to where, you know, we were not just being a, a middleman um, commodity store that was going to get uh, gobbled up by an Amazon. Yeah. People ask me all the time, they're like, well, how do you deal with Amazon? I don't. I don't go into a bar fight, you know, with uh, or to a, into a gunfight with a knife. I had to get differentiated. I had to, um, I, you have to jump out of a plane if you're going to skydive. When did you first make that realization of your competitive advantage was being different, being better in what you did versus just uh, just trying to be another furniture company? Wow, that's a great question. Um, and if you want me to be brutally honest, I will. We, uh, we, we had done a design for a, um, a local uh, media group here that was setting up a, a, a sound stage. And man, we did all this work for them. Oh my God, it was months worth of interior design work. And they, um, they went and found our supplier and went and like beat us out of the price by like, you know, 20%. Yep. And we didn't charge for the interiors or any of this. And, 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 and our supplier really did not even mean to do it. And they did it. And I mean, it was months worth of work. And, you know, we were the people that went in there, did all the measuring, all the work, all of this. And this one, you know, guy that obviously did not have any respect toward what we were doing, right. you know, went around us and did that. But you know what? That is the way the world is. You have to understand that. And this guy was looking to get, you know, make a few percentage points off of it, didn't care about the, 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 any of the time or the, you know, all of the work that we had put into this. And he went around us for a few points and that is the way the world is. And you know, who's, who has to react to that is the entrepreneur. And so, you know, other, um, whether it's a furniture store or people that we sell to, you know, if, if there's someone that's in their area or whatever, if they're investing in us, we make sure that we don't sell to anyone else around their area. Their success is our success. And so I learned a lot of stuff through that to have empathy toward the people that are investing in the bricks and mortars, the people that are investing in their, um, their, uh, their salespeople that are on the floor. And, you know, I, I really do think that one of the competitive advantages that we have with this new business that we're going into is that first and foremost, we were retailers. And, um, you know, the, 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 the quick short money that you make off of other people's back is not um, is is not what it's what's worth it to invest in quality partners. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and that experience, that lesson. Oh yeah, oh, it was drove you to 
reshape how you went about business. And, and you know what? I didn't even get mad about it. I didn't hold a grudge about it. I really didn't. Um, it, it was a learning moment. And it, luckily, it was earlier on in my life that I knew then. It's like, you know, hey, I've got to find a way for us to be competitive to where I'm just not on this hamster wheel. And, and there was another epiphany moment for me too. We were we were working with a with an amazing company um, that was domestic that uh, we you know were doing um, helping with uh, research and design and um, and I kept telling them that you know we it, we were also retailers for their product and we needed to get some dining chairs that were that were better looking than what we had. The dining chairs that, we, that they were manufacturing for us they were expensive and quite honestly they were ugly. And I told him, I was like, look, you know, we need to, we need to be able to find a better offering of this so we can bring it back to market and, uh, and be competitive. And they told me, they said, well, rule, you know, the, the, uh, there's a certain sector of, of the community that makes these frames for us and, and they'll build them for us five at a time. And, you know, and that's, this other work is not really what they do. So we got to keep it this way. And, and I said, you know, you've heard of Thomas Friedman in his book, uh, you know, the world is flat, hot and crowded. And uh, you know, I was like, look, send me to China or India or whatever, I'll go and find us the frames. We can bring them back and we can upholster them here in the US, but we need to find a way to be competitive. We can't be ugly and expensive. Um, and uh, and you know, they didn't want to do it. And that was one of the big aha moments that literally went and got on a plane a couple weeks later and started going overseas and trying to figure out ways that I could be more competitive that I could, you know, bring the small family business back into a larger scale to where I could bring back stuff that I that I thought would reflect, you know, would be my designs that would make us different and be able to sell it to other people affordably. Don't you know that he sold my wife those ugly dining chairs? <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to I want to pivot the conversation a little bit, Michael, to you on the leadership standpoint. So. What are the things that are most important to you when you're dealing with people on your team, in your organizations, things like that? What are those most important um, either leadership uh, qualities that you have or things that you need to get across to your, your people, things like that? That opens up a big one. Um, easy first one, and it has to be the primary one, is integrity. Period. Okay. There's no, nothing. Nothing is more important than integrity. Uh, you have to be honest. You have to, That doesn't mean... Um, you have to tell everybody everything. There are some things you hold on to, to wait to see how things um, factor. But never lie, never lead somebody knowingly down the wrong direction. You have to be reliable on that. It's the, and the little things are what create that, right? When somebody tells you, hey, I need to tell you something, but I need to keep it in confidence, you better. Um, and if you can't do that, um, you won't succeed. Um, in, in, well, if you burn trust them, yeah, it, well, trust them. Integrity begets trust. Um, integrity and trust beget um, people following you when you need them to go someplace with you to go accomplish a big thing or for people to dig in. Um, there are tiny little instances that create that. Uh, if you can't move people in a direction, um, uh, even when sometimes they don't necessarily understand what you're trying to do quite yet, but they trust you and they trust your quality, then, then they'll follow you. And there's lots of examples in, in our professional career RIFRA. Um, being one of those things where, you know, it's, well, I don't know why this is important, but he says it is, so so let's go. Um, he tells me to jump off of a building, I'll probably do it. And then 
maps anymore. Yeah, we're gonna work on that. Um, <laughs> um, too trusting is also a hazard. Um, the second is communication and, and understanding what that responsibility is for communication. If you're in a leadership role, it's your responsibility to figure out how to communicate effectively. Um, people react differently. Some people are visual or some people are, are auditory. Um, so on and so forth. There's a, a story of when I was coming up in the hotel business, I had this really, really terrific um, a team member who couldn't understand the fundamental part of our business. And she kept uh, she kept making the mistakes. She kept, and we talked about it. And, and she was just a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, uh, associate. And um, so finally, I, after the fifth conversation about the same exact issue of how not to make this mistake again, um, my assistant walked in uh, to this scene. So the, uh, the, the associate is sitting um, across from my desk. I am standing on my desk, hopping on one leg, hopping in a circle on my desk. And my assistant walked in and looked and said, okay, and then just left. And I finished the conversation with, with the associate. And uh, my assistant grabbed me later and just says, you want to explain what the hell that was all about? And I said, if God is my witness, she will never forget that conversation again. She will never, ever, ever forget. And there was a lesson in that. Right? Is is I you know I talked to the to the team member I couldn't get her to understand, so I had to do something different to get their attention. So I realized at that point, or just shortly before I started hopping on my desk like an idiot, that it was my responsibility. It was incumbent on me to figure out the best way to communicate so so the person understood, and then and then move forward. Um, I think we that's getting harder in this world. Communication. Um, Why do you say that? Well, we, we are more text-based. We, um, uh, we are definitely shorter communication, missing context, missing um, subtleties, um, uh, text-based messages, emails. So more so quality, quality. Yeah, we got quantity, no problem, mm -hmm. right? There's plenty of communication. It's, it's the quality of, of the communication that goes. Um, I, you know, I, I like texting just like anybody else does, and emails are, are, are easy as well. Um, none of them have made life any easier, by the way. Um, that was a big lie. We were all sold. Um, but nothing replaces that in-person conversation. Um, someone can see in a conversation hesitancy or distrust, or um, you better know where the person you're communicating really is with the information you're giving. Um, whether they really believe you or, or, or don't, um, what you'll understand if you need to put more work into the communication when you do it in person. Um, um, you have to be able to communicate in all those ways, but nothing replaces um, that, that in-person, the non-verbals that go with, with uh, uh, communication in person. Um, and we're getting less and less to where that's the thing. I mean, we see that sort of, I mean, look at commerce in, in general. Um, ask anybody on the street if they think customer service has gotten better in the last 5, 10, 15 years or worse. Ask anybody if they're willing to pay for it. Right, well, that's, that's the... Another really good point. That's a really, really good point. Um, we're, we're, I don't think we're evolving as great communicators. Um, I think, in fact, we're going we're going the other way. And, and that's something we've got to be really cognizant of. I, I totally agree. You, you nailed it. And two, you know, people now think that everything is free. You know, from whether it's free shipping to free whatever, you know, there, there are costs. And two, when I, I think also with that community, commu I mean, that communication barrier, Everybody is ready to just jump on the horn about someone else's, you know, fault or how they screwed up or whatever, but they're not ready to go in there and commend someone. Yeah. And so you've got a world of just people that are complaining 
Um, and then you've got a also a sliver of folks that are continuing to drive that, you know, the, the positive aspects and how, you know, how, how things are. I, I think they are changing for the better because I think in a way that you have this, the story of upward mobility. You, 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 met, you have now in, um, in your power, in your grasp, the, the ways to communicate to the world like never before. Instantly. Instantly. Right. Now, th- th- that could be a problem, as we've seen. <laughs> Filter. Yeah, but, but it, it is it, th- those possibilities there and, and, and how that's changed is unbelievable. You know, and that's why, too, I think now that, you know, just like with, with us and our brand, you know, we're telling our story and we don't have to be everything to everyone. But if we communicate it well and we have that integrity or we have that authenticity, no matter the acne that's on that or whatever, you'll find those people that it'll resonate with. And the others, you know what? Have a nice day. Oh, yeah. Well, there's that. My wife is unbelievable. She's um. You know, she's got her degree in fashion and visual merchandising, and you know, Merch. yes, and 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 honestly, a, a lot of it, the um, the driving force behind our aesthetic and and everything else is her. I'm married way above my pay grade, and uh, and you know, she's actually a, an incredible mother as well. But you know, she some things that I've had to work hard to to figure out in uh, in this business. She naturally knows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's amazing. Um, what capacity does she have in the business? Right now, um, she's really been, you know, just the most amazing mother in the world. Okay. Um, but both of my children are getting that age, and I think she's getting to where, too, that she's ready to get back in here. Okay. Which, you know, at the end of the day, we, we have to keep mama happy. And so, you know, whether she's working in here or she's working at home or whatever she wants to do is, is cool with me. Um, but you'll find a lot of her stuff in here. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, but you know, she's an artist. She's, uh, she does interior design to, you know, fashion. Um, and she, like I said, so, some people have to learn and then some people just naturally know. Um, she's, a, a when it comes to, to, to this type of thing, she is really a duck in the water. Well, it's, it's in her. It's it's in her genetics. Must be pretty convenient being able to go home and have those conversations too. So, like my wife runs a business and I run a couple of businesses, and they're not the same. You go home and you have those conversations. So, with her being so natural in this type of environment and world, it's got to be great to be able to go home and, and pick her brain and talk about what's going on and things like that. Yeah, I think it's a um, it's a really good uh, synergy that we got together. Especially, you know, she. Um, She'll call me on my stuff. Like you know, we have a very masculine edge to what we do, and there's and it's um, it's not traditional. And uh, sometimes she's like, "Hey, well, we need to pull that back a little bit, or you know, or or keep charging or whatever." And I trust her one hundred percent. So yeah, it's a it's a really good it's a good marriage. Well, for the best advice I could give anyone under any blanket circumstances, uh, and you and I did it um, at different times. Um, Marry someone smarter than you. Yeah, I did. You did. Yeah. Um, and and it's, the, it's the most important thing in my life. As whether it's raising a family, kids, um, the things that really matter in life, like the greatest responsibility you'll ever have is to your family. Um, but for me, in the same way that, that you can do it, to, um, 
I rely on my wife professionally. She's, uh, when she walks in the room, she's the smartest person in the room, because I've never, never been in a room that that, that hasn't been true. Um, I can talk to her about complex political situations, and she has this extraordinary ability to bring it down to, to, to really the linchpin, the, the single most important point that um, most people, including myself, had missed entirely. Right. Um, I'm, I, after many years of marriage, I am still in awe of, of her intelligence. Truly shocked sometimes at the dinner table talking about something going on politically, locally, or nationally, and she'll just spout this you know, incredible thing, and I get really quiet. I think she she's thinking that I, I'm disagreeing but not saying anything, and the truth of it is that I'm just in absolute awe. <laughs> You're just soaking it in. <laughs> she's, she's, she's beyond brilliant. Beyond brilliant. And and she'll probably never know how much I rely on that brilliance. I imagine he's going to give her a link to this podcast. I was going to say, well, <laughs> she'll get an email. She be so impressed by it. Um, uh, that's, you know, your, your wife does the same thing. Mine does really good at keeping us grounded. Yeah. Right. Um, anytime I'm getting a little too big for my britches, which uh, happens about weekly, um, she's she's really good at just knocking me right. I, I remember writing a, a really important document in, in, in my world that was going to be broadcast um, in, in political circles about a position, a very strong position we were taking. And uh, I went through eight or nine drafts. You were a part of that. I went through about eight or nine drafts and uh, I gave it to her to, to read about the fifth draft. And she looked at me and she says, yeah, this isn't the Constitution and you're not Hamilton. <laughs> Bring it down a notch. <laughs> and then I gave it to my buddy Rule, um, you know, in, in hopes that someone would see the brilliance of this. I mean, he, he looked at it and he looked at me and said, you can do better than this. This is not very good. <laughs> It got rewritten that day. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That's why there were eight or nine copies instead exactly of five. Right. Exactly right. Exactly <laughs> right. Um, I want to talk about community involvement a little bit because obviously, so you're leading organizations within the community, and you as a business owner and business leader in the community have taken time away from your business to um, to really get involved in Savannah itself. So let's start. That is an understatement. I was. I know. I and that's. Basically saying that to get you into this part of the conversation. Um, talk about first the importance of that. Why why is being a part of Savannah itself uh, it's so important to you? Um, you know, it's, it is. It's my home. It's, uh, and it's, you know, I grew up here. And, and, and I think most of all, too, because I see the, uh, it's not just the opportunity, but um, I, I see the potential. And Savannah is just really unique in the way that um, it it really punches over its weight, and the things that we do naturally and the and the infrastructure that's already here is it's you can't duplicate it. Right. And so when you know from the historic preservation to the people, you know the community in Savannah is like so proud of its place. And, uh, you know, and, and when there's a lot of folks, too, that, you know, that, that there, there's a lot of vocal naysayers. But it takes all of those in order to make this gumbo, which is Savannah. It's a very diverse community with, um, you know, with, with a lot of heritage. And, you know, you just start scratching the surface of the people that have come out of here or the things that have gone on here. And it will blow your mind. And when people hear Savannah, 
they think of this huge metropolitan. It's a it's Mayberry. It is Mayberry, and uh, and it's it, to me it's it's amazing. Uh, you know, especially growing up here and and having the privilege to still live here. It's it's awesome. I would refine that a little bit for you. You're really really bad at apathy. Yeah. That's that's okay. a driver for you. You're you're really bad at it, um, and thank God because we we this community has done better because you're really bad at apathy. Um, I've just I've, I've watched it. You don't you don't let it go, right? If you see something that shouldn't be, you'll you'll get involved. If you see something that should be but isn't, um, you've never allowed anybody to say, "Well, we tried that years ago and it didn't work." You've never allowed for the excuse of of well, it's too hard, it's too difficult, it's impossible. Um, uh, you, your salesman comes out, but but the core of it is your bad at that. That's the entrepreneurial mindset, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, without a doubt, without so, a doubt. So that really hit on something that I was going to follow up with because you, the way you were talking was was great and, and almost idealistic, right? Like how great Savannah is, and you want to be a part of it. But running a um, international business takes a ton of time and effort, and you have family that you devote your time and effort into also. So to be able to carve out additional time to have such high roles and impact on Savannah itself, you really hit on exactly what I was going to go into of, of why are you willing to step away, not step away, but take additional time away from family and business in order to be a part of Savannah itself. Look, I, you know, that, that's a great question. And, and if you want to be brutally honest, um, which I'm, I'm good at that too. I, I think my family has something. Okay. You know, I, I think uh, there there has been times when uh, now now it's not games or, or anything that's just so pivotal. Which is, that's huge for me. Okay. I don't miss a kid's game. Yeah. Um, if they ask me to do something in, in that way or whatever, I'm there. Um, but you know, I I think the one thing as a father. And at least the way that you know I saw my father growing up, that I knew my role. Okay. And I take it very seriously. You know, your kids and your family and everything else—they have a burn rate, and they can be resentful to you for not having spent enough time. And you know what? Time is irreplaceable. But at the end of the day, you got to provide. And um, and my father—he always knew his role. And uh, and you know, there's times too that. I wish that daddy would spend a little bit more time with me with doing whatever. Yeah. But I knew that, you know, I knew where he was and I knew that I could always be around him if I wasn't in school or whatever, which I did spend a ton of time in here. Yeah. And, uh, and that's where I think I, I picked a lot of this up, but I, I know my role and I know as well that going back to community, if not me, then who? Okay. You know, it's about responsibility and, um, and you know, not all the time are your local leaders or anyone elected or whatever, are they going to do exactly what you think or want or wish or whatever? You know, a lot of uh, those folks, God bless them for doing it too. They're at the whim of a vote. They're lucky if 51% of the people appreciate what they do. Well, they become risk averse in that. They, right? they certainly do. And you know what? I don't. I don't live by those rules. That's, you know, the, the 51% or whatever. Um, but I do think that, uh, you know, it's incumbent upon me living here, loving this place and caring about my kids, caring about my family. 
that they have opportunities, that they live in a safe environment, that they, you know, they have the same opportunity that I have. And my father, you know, he did that with the United States military. He spent 26 and a half years in there for our country. Right. Um, whatever I do today in this city is going to pale with whatever he's already done. And, um, and you know, I owe that. Interesting. It's, it's really interesting. Um, Michael, from your standpoint, it's your, it's your entire career, right? Is, is being involved in community, building up the community, creating the best environment you can do. Why, why pursue uh, that for, for an actual career? What led you into that? Oh, wow. Yeah. How much time do I have? Um, no, it's, it's, um, man, this, this podcast is something else. Um, first of all, my lawyer's going to come in here. Um, I always, always believed in something bigger than myself. Um, it, with, it, there's, you know, there, when we, and by the way, our society is kind of built around that, or, or, or was at one point, God, country, so on and so forth, right? I mean, you, you, you used to be in school, you started your, your, when I was a, a kid, you started your day with a pledge and a prayer, which is a, a physical manifestation that there's something bigger than you. And um, I've been my entire life in, in tourism and hospitality, which is always about serving somebody else. You're never, no matter what position you are in the industry, no matter what it is, it's never about you. It's always about somebody else. It's about that guest. I'm terrible at birthdays because I have no idea what the hell to do when people are singing happy birthday to me because it's the, the focal point of, of you. What are, do I do with my hands? Always with my hands. <laughs> um, um, awkward. Um, it's, it's a, there's, for everybody in this world, there's something greater than, than you, the individual. And, and that's just a core tenet. That I, I believe in. I mean, I, I, I think in terms of, of service, selfless service, and, and it's all about something greater than yourself. If you think you're the most important person in this world, then you're, you're out of your mind. You're, you're just out of your mind. Um, it, it is about creating a place where success defined is being content with what you have, but not content with the world around you. Wow. And it's well said. Mm. It's, 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 I, I have. That's a tea towel. <laughs> Inside joke there. Um, I, I have everything that I need in life for me. I really do. And, and, and by the way, it's some luxury stuff too, right? I have nice things that I've worked hard for or that I care about. I care about a really good guitar um, and a real high quality guitar. And, and there's not a lot of other things that I put that much focus into to the quality. I have an incredible family. I have great friends and rule. Um, but I can, I have enough contentment with what I have in this world, what I work for in this world, and what's been given in this world, that I can not be content with the world around me and try to make little changes there to make things a little bit better. So, uh, and I wanted to go back to something that you said because I, I think it's really important. You were talking about how do you do it with all the time and so on and so forth. Um, and yes, by the way, something always suffers. Um, family suffers. Sometimes business suffers. Um, hopefully, if you're doing it right, everything suffers a little bit, um, and not one one thing is beaten on. But I, I'd like to make this point about time, um, because it was told to me when I was when it was coming up uh, by somebody that I respected greatly. It was probably the greatest life lesson I was ever given, and it was that time is the great equalizer for all of humankind. No matter where you are, where you're from, what you believe in, what you look like. Um, what you feel, everybody 
in our world is given 24 hours in a day. It's what you do with that 24 hours that'll make the largest impact of what happens next in your life. It's life is not something that happens to you, it's something that you go do. We have to carve out about eight hours a day for sleeping, um, sometimes less, sometimes more. Um, but then, you know, if, if, if eight hours is spent sleeping and eight hours is to your vocation, and then eight hours is hanging out or being in a bar, I'm not saying there isn't a time and a place for that, but if, if that's your other third of the day, then I'm worried about what your future looks like if you want a, a one that is quote unquote successful. Um, you have to be improving yourself. I think one of the ways that Rule manages that is um, you won't often find Rule or me or, or our close friends in front of TV screens or, or anything else like that. We'd, we'd rather learn, read, experience, um, so on and so forth. But we should never forget that the great equalizer is time. We all have the same amount of it at the end of the day. You can use it um, to the best of your ability to improve yourself and then improve the world around well, you, you see what's most important to people by their actions, right? So are they doing are they, are they watching Netflix for five hours, or are they helping themselves grow, or are they spending time with their families, things like that? So yeah, really the obvious, the obvious caveat there is Game of Thrones, right? Like you're gonna spend there can be exceptions. Yeah, that it's got to be okay. everything in moderation, including moderation. <laughs> so I want to stick with you for a second, Michael. Um, to build off what you're talking about with how you define success in your life, things like that. What is your vision in your life? Kind of the balance, not necessarily balance, but combining personal and professional. What's the vision for your future? I have absolutely no idea. Um, I'm one of those people that loves what what he does, and I, I really do. Uh, it's the most challenging thing I've ever done. It's frustrating. There are a lot of losses and a couple of good wins. Um, it's always worth it. It's always, you know, the battle is always, always worth it. Um, I could do this for the rest of my life and, and feel very fulfilled. Um, I, I think that the people I, I work with and uh, together we've made differences big and small in this community. For, for some people it's been huge. I, 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 we've been the difference of somebody actually making a business and making it go and not at all. We've, we've, we've jumped in to help people who had hit a wall um, financially or some governmental issue that they couldn't they couldn't carry on. Um, uh, there's a couple of those those small wins on the grand scheme of things are the most important to me. That's the yeah. difference in someone's livelihood and their children and their children going to school. And, I mean, it, it, those, those are profound impacts. Um, I always want to be a part of a group that's working to make things better. Um, you know, there, there's a but what's the thing? There's, some, there's a saying about it. Never underestimate what a um, what a small group of people can do to change the world because it's the only thing that ever happens. That's that's where I want to be. I want to be in that group. And, and 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 sometimes I'll lead that group, and a lot of times, more times than lead, I'll follow, um, because there's a lot of if you surround yourself by brilliant people, um, it's a good trait to know when to lead and when to follow. And uh, I hope I always do that. Um, Sometimes rule takes the charge up the hill, and I follow right up behind it, and and, uh, and vice versa. Um, my my vision is um, again to never be content with the world around me, but to appreciate everything that I've I've got. That's great, rule. I want to throw the same question. On I, I, how do you follow that? Yeah, so we'll, <laughs> we're going to start with something before. Now, um, I do want to hit on something before we get into some of these more philosophical. From your business standpoint. What are one or two of those those pain points that you that you're experiencing currently in your business? Um, 
You know, I think for most people it is change. Uh, I, I think I'm pretty comfortable with change. I think the, the parts of things that I really can't, um, that, that are most painful is the stuff you just can't control. Okay. You know, and no matter how you plan for it or what you do, it's just out of your control. Mm -hmm. And how do you deal with that? Because everyone experiences that. You show up. So. You show up, you put out, you put one foot in front of the other, and you continue to lead. And sometimes it's the hardest thing to do, but, you know, that's how it starts. Um, and, you know, just keep showing up. Don't quit, because that's what a lot of people want you to do. And I, um, I'm all about some team underdog, and I love to prove people wrong, and not necessarily, you know, push their nose in it. But that's uh, it's a point of pride. And, uh, and, you know, no matter what, I just try to keep showing up. Interesting. Um, that's, I think that's a hurdle that a lot of people struggle with, especially entrepreneurs. Right? And it's, it, you, you know, try to control everything. It can be debilitating. Yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, there was um, General Honore when he went into New Orleans and the place was just falling apart. You know, there still is. Yeah, well, you know, you had the National Guard there with, with guns pointed at Americans. And he went in, he told them to put their guns down, and you know, and he started making things happen. He told people, he says, look, you're looking at your calendar, I'm looking at my watch. He restored order. And you know, that, that to me, that's a leader. That's a guy that went in there, rolled his, you know, his sleeves up, and started making things happen. And that's a, you know, it, it would be easy to stay in the bed, to watch Netflix, be debilitated by it, but you know, you have to have that optimism that you're better than that. And no matter what, you know, you just, you, you show up and you suit up and, you know, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. The hardest step is that first step. I know this sounds like so many, just, it's, these, these tenants are true. And um, I believe in them. And, uh, and you know, and, and you see from leadership throughout time, it starts with that. Yeah. That's great. So, Hopefully that was enough time to segue from, mm -hmm. from his vision. So now what is, uh, what's your vision for your life? Same thing, combination, personal, professional, really doesn't matter. What's, what's kind of that most important that you're trying to work towards? You know, um, I, I've been reading a lot about stoicism and, uh, trying to grasp some, grasp some of, some of those tenets and they're so true. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that is the battle that's me. I don't know that I will ever be satisfied. I don't know that I'll ever be just exactly comfortable with, with what's going on, but it is, I think, honestly, I'm addicted to the struggle. And I do want to continue to grind and move on and continue to work and progress. And, you know, and I, I do love that. And no matter what, I don't think, I don't think that'll ever come out. I don't, I don't dream of like retirement. I don't dream of not working. Um, I enjoy it. I like, I enjoy the interaction. I enjoy putting things together. I love efficiency. That to me is like, I think probably going to, that's the benchmark. I love it when things are running smoothly and that you're being efficient, but also when it starts to fall apart, I enjoy the, um, you know, I, I enjoy my back being against the wall and fighting to fix it. And whether it's, it's, you know, causes within the community to my own personal business. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's part of that grind and that rush that I love. Yeah. There's something incredibly attractive about chaos. Yeah, absolutely. And and also, you know, the rush of being able to go in and fix it. 
There are people that are standing around that are looking for reasons to say no. And because of them, I will always continue to thrive because I'm the guy that's there that wants to figure out a way to make it happen. I'm about the culture of yes. You're solving those problems. I hope. I mean, you know, and, and if not, motivating others to get involved or get into it and, and try to do it with limited resources, limited time. And, and you know, and sometimes that's, you just got to get started. Yeah. Um, building off of that vision, and I think with the three of us, we've done a pretty good job already of talking about different versions of success. But if you were to define success in your life, what does that look like? Um, you know, in that idea, idealistic approach, it'd just be freedom. I, I don't want to take over the world. I don't want, you know, it, it, I don't think the money part of it is anything for me, but it's being able to just have freedom to do what I want with who I want, when I want, and be able to, you know, apply those same things to my own family. And, and, and mostly, I think success is raising my kids, you know, actually putting out a great product there to where when people meet them, you know, right. they say, wow, your kid is uh, respectful, has good manners, works hard. That is, that is, uh, that's your work. Um, all right, last few we're going to kind of get, we're, I mean, I say we're going to get philosophical. We've been, we've already been leading that way. Um, so Michael, if you uh, had a business, uh, somebody that was trying to get into business that you were mentoring, what would be those one or two most important points that you would try and get across, the lessons that you try and get across them? It's easier than you think. Okay. Um, we overcomplicate business all the time. All the time we overcomplicate it. It's easier than you think. Um, and I'll get into that in just a second. But nothing ever will replace hard work. Ever. You can't. If you're not willing to put the work into to it um, and understand that those demands will change, that there will be days that you'll work 24 hours a day. Um, uh, if you're not ready to do that, then you're not ready to be in business. And then it's just, that's the truth of it. Yep. If you're not ready for your family to suffer at some point, then you're not ready for what it's going to take. Um, but it's not more complicated than, than some sort of basic things. Uh, my, I'll give you an example. There's, and there's plenty of them in, in, in this. Um, one of my first questions to anybody that walk up on the street and know is, Hey, how's business? Right. He's tired of hearing it. I, I, you know, we talk every day and I say, how's business? How's, how's the weekend? Right? I'll ask how traffic was, so on and so forth. And yeah, occasionally I'll run across right now in a good economy. Everybody says, it's good. We have great, you know, yada, yada. But, you know, occasionally I run into the person who says, well, it's going great. You know, why? Well, I don't know. Well, that's a problem, isn't it? And it's not much harder. And you take this one instance where they said, well, you know, a lot more of the, I've got more competition in town. Right. So what are they doing that you're not? And should be doing, or what are you doing that you shouldn't be doing that they aren't? Doing? Pretty easy, right? You, now you've got to put the time in to find out. You've got to you know, go do this and stuff. But it, it's it's not extraordinarily complicated, right? Um, unless you allow it to be. So try to take things down. You got back to what I said before about my life, just being able to pull in the linchpin, the the the, the pivot point of oh, oh oh well, this is what I should have to do. Um, you know, it's it's the people that. that uh, don't understand that to a to a reasonable extent, a business is is, is a is in in many similarities is how we define scientifically a, a living organism versus a non. Right? There are six processes of life. That's how we use to classify something as as, as living or versus non-living. 
And one of those things is, and the thing that I often see missing is the ability to adapt to outside change. Right? That's something you do and you don't even realize it, um, uh, or we all do, and you don't realize it. When it's hot, we sweat. That's the ability to adapt to outside right. change. In the business world, we have to do the same thing. You've got to, what's the new trend? What's the new thing? What's, is it Amazon? Is it, is it social media for marketing as opposed to more traditional um, print marketing, which I'm here to tell you is not dead. Um, if you're not reacting to it, then you're not living anymore. If you're not living anymore as a business, you're dead. You're dead, dead, dead. It's not usually any more complicated than some simple principles. Learn those principles and then have the have the drive, have the commitment to live to those principles, even when it's hard. That's great. Um, let's go to you now. Uh, you have a different type of perspective on this question, right? Because you grew up with your, your father running a business. You saw it from the beginning of the struggles and opportunities of being a business owner. Um, somebody started a business today what are those one or two lessons that you were trying to get across? Hmm. Um, well, first of all, it would depend upon the type of business, but I, I'd say probably the most important thing is the understanding of what social media is becoming and what it is, you know, what it has become and what it is becoming. Um, you know, you really got to have a grasp on that. Uh, in, Things are changing. They're even evolving right now as we speak. All of this is, it's changing. And um, and it's a good thing. Uh, once again, I mean, when you know your eight-year-old daughter is talking on um, YouTube about her own merch, what does that mean? What does that mean about the products that we buy? What does that mean about the way that we consume things? And, um, and, and, and what does that mean for the future? And I think most things, if not all, need to be tooled toward that. Right now, we're look, we we as a as a um, as a society as a country we're looking for distraction, and I think that uh, not only for for goods and services or whatever, but we're looking for distraction. You know, you look at the hours that people are spending on YouTube, on Netflix, all these things. They're looking for content, and if you're not somehow building some type of content or um, or brand or something that's going toward that, you know, I think you're headed in the wrong direction. Um, and uh, and there's a way, there's ways to monetize that. And how does that, you know, how does that work toward the tipping point of what you're doing for your brand? You know, you yourself, even with your uh, with your podcast, here, you're building the brand you. And um, and you know, and, and there's a way to make this monetize. And, there is an eight-year-old child at my house that has, you know, whether she knows it or not, she's figured that out. So what does that mean moving forward? What does that mean for retail? What does that mean for bricks and mortar? What does that mean for wholesale? And so if you're not skating to where the puck's going to be, you're going to be left behind. Um, and, and, you know, and I, we, we figured some of that out, and I'm, and, and I'm going through the growing pains of that right now. In fact, it's sort of hard. It's hard to even explain it to your banker. Seriously. These guys, they live and die by, by numbers right. and spreadsheets. So you have to explain that. Think about Bezos. It was just this year he finally got into, you know, the black. And now look at it. So there, you know, and, it, it, and there's, there's, it's going to shift beyond that. You're even starting to see the pushback with Amazon. 
So um, these are the things I think that, you know, people really need to study and start to look at and, and look where the curve's headed. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. And you think about how well, dynamic it's so it is. Too. It's ra- It's yeah. huge. Yeah. And, and, you know, you listen to guys like Gary V. Um, you know, these are the folks that are on the cutting edge of what's going on in social media and how, we're, how we are uh, consuming things. And he'll tell you right now, too, that, he, you know, he's not sure where right. it's going. And so within all that chaos and the dynamics of all that, there's, there's a lot of opportunity. And it's, you know, and we as leaders, it's hard to explain it to some folks, but, um, you know, it's coming. Yeah. Well, in 10, 15 years from now, it's going to be the same as everything, right? We're going to be able to look back and it's going to be obvious that X happened, right? right? But that's all, that's all hindsight in the moment is what are these guesses that, that we can do that are educated, right? We look into the opportunities and you try different things and you figure out what works. And, yeah. That's right. And it's not the same thing for everybody right some people are better at writing versus being on video so maybe that's their form of content but doing something where they're using social media creating content stuff like that is is going to be a staple for businesses right absolutely all right last two questions is going to be for each of you um and whoever wants to jump in first can what is one thing that's going on in this world right now that you would want to change and why I just talk. So if I get one wish, is that sure, it? sure. Yeah, you can look at. I'd it. like more wishes. That would be my wish. Yeah. No, well uh, played. Yeah. Thank you. Well played. <laughs> um, one thing I can change in the world. Um, that's okay. Um, I would like in in uh, that everybody realize that the first inclination of Anything good or bad is introspective. If something bad's going in your, your your life, you look inside of what needs to change to make a change to the positive. Um, or if there's something positive going on, you're introspective on how you can get involved to go help that thing if the cause is worthy. Rather than um, what I see, which is a focus on externalities. Um, there's far too much focus on externalities, in my opinion. We're too, uh, we're, we're obsessed almost at identifying these th- things that are outside that made this happen. We're, we're so interested in identifying the enemy and calling it the enemy, the enemy. Mm. We're so interested in doing that. For, for, and, and take any political, non-political issue of the day, and you will not have a hard time finding somebody who's got somebody else to blame for it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And we've, we've lost that, that ability to, you know, again, to go back to that business sense of, well, my business is not doing so great. You're the owner of this business. Well, why? Well, because that restaurant across the street's right across from my, my, that's, that's not it. That's, that's, that's a total lack of introspective. Why are they doing so well? And you're not, you're both on the same street. You're both, you know, you're both on the same business. He's got a, well, he's got a new hot chef chef. Well, go get a hot chef chef. And guess what? You own the business. You get to make that decision. We and our actions every day will do far more to decide what happens in our life than any externality that exists. Right? For if you are brought up in austere uh, circumstances, you can work out of it. You can. No one else can do it for you. It's, it's impossible. No one's going to lift you out of anything. They can help from time to time, but the core driver is you. Powerful thing in this world is yourself. If you know 
how to afford yourself for improvement and, and stop looking for the enemy, stop looking for the blame. And there's no one political party or ideology, ideology that does that. Everybody does it. And we're getting more and more of that in society. Who do we blame for this thing? Who can we hate? Who can we attack? Who can we lob things at? Rather than saying, what could we do to actually change it ourselves? Well, because then you don't have to take responsibility. You can blame somebody else. With responsibility comes accountability. And accountable is what nobody wants to exist. God, I love you. Oh, this got awful quick. (laughs) (laughs) What are your thoughts on that? Oh, uh, you know, I mean... Top that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You deferred the question, so uh, No, um, I, you know, I, I think he's exactly right. I had a I had a good friend, like, message me this morning. Um, you know, or at least I thought he was a good friend. He messaged me this morning about a, a stance that, you know, someone that I supported had taken. And the guy just went out of his way to, like, send me a text message this morning about how his wife was going to have to go you know, to Atlanta to battle this because of the person that I supported. Da, da, da. And, you know, and I, I just, I, I sat there reading that. And this is a person that I respect too. And it's, you know, it, it is that tribalism. It's that um, sort of, uh, and it's, it's fear, it's fear based. Um, you know, things that I think is what is driving a lot of, the stuff that I think a lot of us are tired of hearing about or seeing that's going on in our country. Um, you know, it's the tribalism. It's the uh, it, it, it's all that that's that's being wedged in between Americans right now. And you know, I wish we all could just take a big deep breath, step back, and see you know exactly what um, brings us together instead of what divides us. And uh, you know. And I and I hate to say that I don't see it changing anytime soon. The way that we um, we uh, the stuff that we're consuming from media to whatever it's um, it's, it's I think it's programmed that way. And I think that that's why it's uh, if if you're asking me, you know, what would what would I do? I'd say, man, you know, start tuning in to the things that do matter. Start being positive about the things that you can change. The stuff that, that you can get involved with and, and you know, and, and God, I know it feels like a tsunami of just being overwhelmed with so much, you know, that's that's against you. But just start with, like I said, showing up, taking that first step. And it'll make you feel better about things. Um, God, I, you know, turn the damn TV off if you need to. You know, if, if, if it's too much for you, turn it off. And, um, and go out. And mentor, or you know, start a business, or do whatever you want to do. Do whatever. Get up and do it. But I, you know, I think that I'm really uh, perplexed with so much of this voice right now of fighting for people. You hear about, hey, I'm going to go fight for you because I will be this voice for you because these other people don't care about you. I think leadership now is going to be more about, hey, you know. How do you get people to understand what's in it for them? Why does this other person also matter and their ideas? And how can you bring people to the table to not just parrot um, consensus, but to help build consensus in a way that, you know, both parties leave the table pissed off? You know, that, that and after all, and I'm not talking about a big kumbaya moment, but I'm talking about an age of, uh, of just being able to work through things 
in a way that you know is best for the common good and and, and we're going to come to it and uh, and there's a lot of those voices out there you don't hear them as much on main street but they're out there and uh and, and you know you, you you really i think too in this day and age you got to dig deeper you got to understand the people that are telling you things what what's in it for them why why are they spinning this way or what is skewed that way you know go in and look into those issues a little bit deeper and and, and see what that counter voice is or what you know why what's going on there um and that to me i think that especially in this information age it's uh it's it's very dynamic and it's neat okay we're going to finish up last question here uh we're sitting here three years from now having a conversation. What happened in that period in your life where you can look back and say that was a successful point in your life? You go first. Did you learn the first time? What happened in um, what ha what happened in three years? Um, in three years, both of my children started kindergarten, um, and hopefully, music in some way. Um, some of today's problems won't be as bad as they are now in, in three years because of uh, a commitment to work on them and make them better. Um, I'll still have the same friends three years from now that I have today. That would be a huge success to me. That uh, all my family is the same, no one died. But all my friends who, uh, it's a choice, right? Who your friends are, that's a choice. We'll all be the same. And I won't be there for a few minutes. Sure. Three years from now for you. Oh, God. Um, you know, once again, my kids, my wife, they're still putting up with me. And, um, you know, just evolving. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy. You know, there's challenges in business. There's challenges in, in all these things. But to actually be involved in it, man, you know, you, you think about it. We got a lot to be grateful for. We're here. Every day, this side of the dirt is is like a, a victory. There's a lot of people that didn't wake, did not wake up this morning, you know. Yep. And and like Michael was saying a little while ago, we got self determination. You understand that if you put up and you see, I mean, you you show up, you put up, you suit up, you got an opportunity today. You're in the game, right. and you got to be in the game to be dealt an ace. And that to me is just awesome. So three years from now, I hope to be grinding the same way. I love it. It's great. That's, that's a good way to, uh, to finish this too. So um, where can people go to learn more about you guys, learn more about the city, learn more about the business, things like that? Google. Well, that's, Super good that's a great start. 24estyle.com. Um, also, uh, it started a, a new thing that's interesting that uh, you'll be hearing more about soon. It's called the Georgians First Commission. Uh, we are a commission of 18 people that are going to be working uh, with uh, the state in order to make Georgia the number one state in which to do small business. Okay. Love to hear from anyone. Uh, my email is ruelrule at 24estyle.com, 24estyle, S-T-Y-L-E.com. And, you know, if you've got any type of recommendations or things that you want to hear about or what's important to you, that's important to me. So uh, I'd love to hear from you and um, look forward to talking to you again, especially in three years. That's right. That sounds good. What about you? Uh, Council.com is our organizational website, uh, georgiatravelassociation.com. Uh, my email is michael at tourismleadershipcouncil.com. 
Uh, if you ever want to reach out to me, if it's an emergency, dial 911. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Thank this you. Absolutely. Good to meet you. You too.